welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but don't. No, I'm Jeff Sims. And I'm Evan Smith. Welcome, Evan, to episode 11, dude. Welcome, Evan, to episode 11. Ooh, some you know rhyming schemes. I just had deja vu. I wonder if we went back and listened to episode 11, season one, did I do that same thing? Maybe. It is likely that we did something that idiotic twice in a row. Absolutely. And because you normally welcome me. Yes. Like, you were, you're very, um, like, if Consistent. the podcast was a home, you would be the one at the door with an apron on and, like, holding the plate of cookies. <laughs> you know? What like would you, that make you? <laughs> the working husband. Oh, yes. The 1950s working husband. Yeah. 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 So you'd come home, undo your tie just a little bit. Lay your, your black briefcase down on the porch. Be a little upset until supper has been made and eaten. Uh, be a little upset because my drink wasn't already poured for me when I got home. <laughs> the, or, or no, it was poured for me, but it was poured five minutes too soon. The ice had melted a little bit too much. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Jeffrey, the ice has melted. <laughs> oh, God. PTSD. Am I right? PTSD. Um, yeah. So, I, um, we were talking the other week about things that I'm listening to, like music that I'm listening to. Yes. So, the last, Harrison goes through phases where he, like, listens to the same things, and that's the only thing he listens to. Like, he's been watching Ice Age, whatever the one about the dinosaurs is. Like, it's the oh, You only mean all thing. of them? They're all about the dinosaurs, no. are they not? No, there's only one with dinosaurs in it. They're all about, um... The mammoth. Like, the mammoth and the saber-toothed tiger, and that, like, they're during, yeah, they're, like, that sort of period, but they're not, um, dinosaurs except for one. Actually, oh. I haven't seen them all. There's like a hundred. But like, there's one that's specifically called like Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Yeah, like Ice Age 2, Simba's Pride. Very much so. Yes. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead Dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> so he's been watching that like, that's all he watches. Every single time you want to like watch one thing, if he watches it for half an hour, great. The next time he watches something for half an hour that same day, same thing. Start from the beginning. Oh, um, he'll only watch the beginning? You won't pick up where he left off? Uh, sometimes he'll watch the thing from top to bottom, but he'll always start from the beginning. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he does the same thing with music. So recently I've had a lot of System of a Down stuck in my head. <laughs> and you've mentioned it. And I thought, like, why? Like, it is weird that I, like, I only know the one album. And I, I do have it stuck in my head a lot. And yeah. I realized why. It's because he's watching this new dinosaur show, which now we're listening to in the car as well. And it's called Howdy Tunes Dinosaur Songs or something. Um, anyway, three or four of the songs are like heavy metal dinosaur songs. I was going to say, I can't imagine a world where System of a Down was commissioned to do a children's CD about dinosaurs. <laughs> they were not. But, and there's a video and stuff too. But anyway, there's like, for some reason, half of the songs are like heavy metal. And the only heavy metal I know that I like actually actively listen to and like is that one album of System of a Down. It's great. It's great. So, but on this album, there's this one tune called Velociraptor. <laughs> and it's just like it's metal but it's like that like I don't listen to metal but I would imagine it's kind of like 90s metal where it's like sure. that really high falsetto three part harmony it's like Velociraptor <laughs> <run> it <faster!" laughs> it's it's actually the best song I've ever heard from a kids television show it's Hands like through the down. fire and the flames like dragon force yeah very similar and it, like it has yeah. the harmonized guitar solos and stuff yep Oh yeah. yeah, it is a ten out of ten, and like, and every chorus that like the the parts jump one third higher. Oh, of course oh, they do. It's really satisfying. Oh man, looks yeah. like I'm gonna have to look this up. 
And then, and then also when it hits the verse, it does that weird, like, you know, the metal, like, low, dear old nice, it's like that sort of, like, weird phaser kind of sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I <laughs> creep so silently. Velociraptor! <laughs> <laughs> It's it's really, really good. I should play it for you. That's fantastic. Um, not right now. Do you know what it kind of reminds me of just you describing it? Um, did you ever go on E-Bombs World as a kid? Yes, all the time. Homestar Runner? Yeah, Homestar Runner. Homestar oh, yeah. Runner. And Trogdor. Trogdor. Trogdor! Trogdor! Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. What was the name of the of the little the like the evil guy? He wasn't evil, but like Bad Mouth or? or... Bad, uh, uh, strong Bad. Strong Bad. Right. Or Strong Mad. Or was there two? Or there's Strong Sad. Or there was someone who was I th- sad. I think Strong Bad. And there was one there called was definitely Ma- a strong Marzipan. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember E-Bomb's world, the end of the world. Yes. I think we've okay. referenced that more so, than once. Here's the earth. Yeah, it's great. That's so great. There was some, there was, I lived my teenage years on E-Bomb's world. There was some quality stuff on there. There was some great, a better, 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 mushroom, Mush- mushroom. mushroom. <laughs> Oh, it's the snake. snake. <laughs> do you remember Potter Puppet Pals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that's from Ebounds World or not. But. I'm not sure. It's uh, it uh, it's definitely like from one of those sites. I'm not sure if it's if it's Eb. Well, what else was there? There's Ebounds uh, World, and there was there's a couple of other ones. Yeah, I don't know. There were a couple other ones. Ebounds World remember. was like blue, right? Like the background was all blue. Yeah, like or like yeah. a like tea league blue, um, yeah. I don't remember what the other ones were, but I remember there were like you know, and they'd all be linked to each other. Yes, yes, they'd yeah. all have the same like it was like the formation of the meme, but it was like videos and yes, all the interweb. And also, I used to used to watch the ones of the um, they were so stupid. I don't know why I liked them, but the ones where the babies were singing like pop songs and rock songs. Mm, yeah, like, I don't know why I like those. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? I don't. But It'd be I like a baby imagine. singing like "Crying" by Aerosmith, but the lyrics would be rewritten um, for the baby. Um, <laughs> like not an actual baby. It would be like a cartoon no, baby, no, of, of and then like there'd be a voiceover. No. Uh, but I think it was because I didn't know the songs, and like they were all like songs I don't particularly like now. But the first time you hear them, you're like, "This is a great song." Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it was like that was my introduction to a lot of great songs was through that, and I didn't know the original. True. I think that's why. Do you remember your like first it. song, the first time listening to like a classic, like an overplayed, like stereotypical classic, like "Don't Stop Believing." Like, do you remember the first time you heard that? No, I remember the first time I heard. Um, uh, this is going to be a really weird reference, but um, "Whoa, Black Betty, Lamb, Lamb, Whoa, oh, yeah. Black Betty," great song by Ram Jam. Um, yeah, the first time I ever heard it, I went over to my friend Aaron's house and. She played it. I was like, this is amazing. And then we <laughs> called K-Rock and asked them to play. It was like, I don't know, whatever the call-in thing was that evening. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they played it for us. And we were Go very away. excited. Ten, ten-year-old us were very excited. I bet you were. Yeah. I just think, of, I think about those things sometimes. I think of those things with movies. Like movies with great endings, like Seven. Oh, or, yeah. Or um, movies like that were just like, I wish I could watch that again for the f- Fight Club. I wish I could watch Fight Club for the first time. Yeah, Fight... So... Like, without spoiling stuff, so stuff like Fight Club, Seven, um, The Sixth Sense, like, those types of movies that have a little bit of a curve at the end, we'll call it. Like, back when they came out, which is, like, early 90s for some of them. Yeah. um, It's it's quite predictable 
the direction that these these left hand curves take. When you first watch it, it's not. I don't know if it's like the bias of already knowing what's happening, but you can kind of see it play out as it happens. Like I, I remember we watched seven recently well like probably six or seven months ago Catherine never seen it um but when i watched it i think i only seen it for the second time but it was a while in between like years between when i watched it yeah and i remember getting towards the end i'm like i know something crazy happens but i don't remember what and then as we got closer to it he was like what's in the box i'm like man you know what's in the box like you know what's going yeah, but on you here. didn't know the first time yes no, you didn't. You just said you've watched it, but years before it, so you just sort of forgotten and remembered at no, that point. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's, I don't. I I guess maybe it's just the bias of already seeing something. Um, yeah, like, I, don't, seen... I mean, I think you have an idea of what's in the box, but like even when you get to the point where there's a box, you're like, hang on. Like yeah, the box is so. the surprise. It's not so much what's in it that the surprise is. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean. It, it is what it is. I just find them very predictable now. I don't know if, like, the cinematic experience and the dramatization of making these films has changed over the years. It's like watching a 1950s movie now. You're like, this is the lamest thing I've ever seen. Not because yeah, but of the that's CGI. That's a blanket statement that is untrue. That's what I'm saying. I think it's my own bias of saying it's totally that, like, your own bias. Just that form of entertainment. It's just constantly changing and constantly. But if you watch uh, a really good evolving. 1950s movie, like if you watch 12 Angry Men, like there's no way to improve upon that movie. Yeah, I guess uh, that that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. I guess it's it is a blanket statement. Yeah. Anyways, um, that's that's all I have to say about the matter. Uh, well, very good. I have um, a very unfortunate thing that I have to tell you. Oh no! It's, it's not so much unfortunate for you as it is for me. Okay. So last week, I called you on saying words incorrectly, and the word in question was, do you remember? Uh, it was some sort of an affirmative... Yes, it, the word was agreeance. Agreeance, yeah. And I said, that's not a word, Jeff, what are you talking about? You're like, what are you talking about? Anyway, my sister texted me, and I was like, I'm going to have to tell Jeff that you told me this. And she's like, oh, sorry, you could not. Anyway, she's like, agreeance <laughs> is a word, Evan. <laughs> Stop being an asshole. <laughs> um, yes, I didn't victory know is mine. I looked it up, and it is a word, and it just means agreement. And like, it's yep. old; it's really old English, so no one ever uses it. Do you know for what's you. really funny? It's probably it's probably used in something like Lord of the Rings, or like yeah, probably Star Wars, or something where it's like the language isn't like yeah. modern, contemporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like. Huh, I'm gonna steal that. It's like <laughs> mutilated or mute mutilated. I'm fairly certain Mutilated. Yeah, well, yeah, to, there's, mutilated to is a mutilate word. or to yeah. mutilation. There yeah. is mutilation. Yeah. There is a word that I was saying that is not a word that I thought I heard from excuse me. That I thought I heard from um Lord of the Rings. Anyways, I thought I made it up, but like a like a mute mutiny? No, to mutilate. Yeah, mutilate. Like, yeah, I wish is, I could is it like, remember. It's like a like um an addition to that word. Like mutilate is the root, but it's like something else. Like yes, mutilated mutilation. Yeah, something like that. And I th I think maybe. Mm. Anyways, I I thought I had made it up, or not made it up, but I thought I heard it, but I thought I heard it incorrectly. Anyways, I think it's one of those instances where I heard the word from. Uh, from a movie. Anyways, yeah, anyway. here we are. So, are we both in agreeance that <laughs> agreeance is a word? Yeah, we are. Yo! Gotta be. Jeff uh, won. 
What are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? You're moving around. I'm what? Are you moving around? Uh, I just, I wasn't comfortable for a second. I moved. Is it all right, bye? It was just give me a lot of feedback, old man. <laughs> I'll give you a lot of feedback in a minute. <laughs> Velociraptor! Velociraptor's coming for you! It's really great that you don't know the song, and yet you're like, here we go, let's improv time. <laughs> I'm here for it, man. I'm, I'm latching on and going. I love it. Um, okay, uh, explain me something now. All right, let's get going, shall we? Let's. My goodness. Uh, so this week, um, this uh, we talked about it a couple of times in a couple of different episodes in a couple of different ways, but we never actually have done a deep dive into it. I don't remember um, what you're doing, so. No. Great. Uh, so this week, I'm doing... Oh, it's memory, isn't it? Is that, isn't that funny? How ironic. <laughs> that yeah. is funny. Uh, I couldn't remember. I, you couldn't remember. Yeah, so I'm doing memory and uh, all the sorts of different fun, cool things about memory. Memory. Um, memory. So everybody kind of, I think, understands what memory is. There's no need to doing like, you know, like it's, it's different than like combustion engines and things like yes. that. Like everybody understands memory to what a degree. What a memory is, yes. Yes, but the science behind it is actually quite intricate and kind of how it works and stuff. Um, so obviously memory refers to the process that, uh, that are used to acquire, store, retain, and later retrieve information. Memory involves the ability to both preserve and recover information that we've learned or experienced. So there are three major processes involved in memory. Evan, do you know what they are? Um, something, and then retrieval. No, wait. Yeah. Retrieval maybe first. Retrieval is one of them, right? Retrieval is one of them, yep. Give me a hint. Do you want me to just say it? Nope, I want a hint. Uh, um, the second word, I, I don't know how to give you a hint, because they're not like hintable words. <laughs> okay, go on then. The first one is encoding. Okay. So you encode the memory. Yeah. Second is to store it, storage. Okay, and well the, the hint could have been, I'm going to go to the blank, and I would have said store. Yeah, but like... the. <sighs> That's not being like, it rhymes with porridge. You could have said it rhymes with porridge. You're bad at these games. Anyways, I was too busy wasting all my improvising skills on that song. So I've lost all all, uh, creativity. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So encoding, storage, and retrieval. Okay. Uh, So encoding, the memory is the initial learning of the information. It's how the information coming from sensory input is changed into a form so that it can be stored in your brain. So encoding is is transforming internal thoughts and external events into short-term and long-term memory. This is the process in which the information is processed and categorized for storage and retrieval. It is a crucial first step in creating a new memory. Memory encoding converts the perceived item or event into a construct that can be stored and recalled later from the brain. So... History of research on memory encoding uh, starts with a person named Herman Ebbinghaus, which mm. is an interesting word. Ebbinghaus, where does um. Summersby? <laughs> uh, he was around 1850 to 1909. Uh, he was a pioneer in memory research. He studied learning and forgetting of things using himself as a subject, uh, which is kind of interesting. Ebbinghaus <laughs> suggested the learning curve. Uh, he found that the new things associated with prior knowledge were obviously easier to recall. Hmm. 
Yeah. So the idea, you know, when people say the learning curve of trying to learn a new task or yeah. a new if it's game brand or new, new things. Yeah. yeah, but like after a while, the learning is exponential. Like once yeah. you grab it, you go on. So yeah, learning curve. Um, there are many types of memory encoding, but the three main types are visual, acoustic, and semantic encoding. There's also elaborative, tactile, organizational, and molecular encoding, which is kind of cool. Yeah, molecular encoding I'm not going to get into, but just as like a sentence, it refers to like how on a molecular level, like your body remembers things like viruses or uh. like molecules or like you had an allergic reacti- reaction to something and it remembers it. So when it comes by again on a, on a molecular level, it's like, hey, we don't like kiwis and you right. go to anaphylactic <laughs> shock again, you know? <laughs> Uh, I found that very Get interesting. Get out of here, Kiwi. You're not we don't want you no here. more. <laughs> I'm going to close up our throat. <laughs> I killed your brother, and I'll kill you too. <laughs> um, so obviously, different parts of the brain play a role in encoding different kinds of information. So for instance, visual information is processed in the parietal and the occipital cortexes of the brain, or cortices of the brain. Um, fusiform gyrus may also be involved in this as well. Superior temporal gyrus is involved in encoding the auditory stimulus as well, as well through your auditory canals. The left prefrontal cortex and temporal regions are involved in semantic encoding. These structures can be activated by verbal and nonverbal stimuli. Other brain areas are also sometimes activated, depending on what type of information and stimulus that is being presented. Okay. Another part of the brain, the medial temporal lobe, MTL, is also involved in semantic and perceptual encoding. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I know that I should know the answer to this, but again, hence the podcast, what does semantic mean? Um, Semantic is word meaning... um, like idea based, uh, okay. so like instead of being like the apple is red, that's not semantic. What okay. semantic would be like um, the meaning of life, like perceptions. Oh, okay, and like I've heard like people meanings. say like, let's not get into the semantics of it. Yeah, I'm semantic like, being like uh, like uh, I'm trying to find like not definitive. Like uh, the apple is red, the apple is round, but like no, no, no. So what 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 this. It's more so like uh, thoughts, ideas. Um, okay. Like when you sit down and you think about yourself, you're like, who am I? My, I'm Evan Smith. Like you are thinking about yourself. That is semantic learning, discovering who you are that way, as opposed to being like, I am six foot one, like literal right. versus metaphorical. Do you know what I mean? They're okay. thoughts, they're ideas, perceptions, metaphors, allegories, like that kind of thing. Great. Did that help? Yes, very much. Okay. I, I think I did a really bad job of defining it. But anyways. Hey, it's more knowledge than I had a second ago. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Another part of the brain, the medial temporal lobe, is also involved in semantic and perceptual encoding. It has been seen in studies that the medial temporal lobe is more activated in the case of nonverbal stimuli and may also interact with other regions of the brain for the processing of specific things. Hippocampus also plays an important role, <gasps> along with the frontal cortex in analyzing and determining sensory input. And we're back. And we're back. So I burned through that paragraph quite fast. And yes. the reason why I did that is because, guess what? There it's is really no... really hard to understand. <laughs> well, yes. There is no... The point of all that is that there is no singular point of the brain 
where memory is prominent. Right. And this was what what literally like blew my mind is that like I figured it was going to be like the hippocampus or yeah. you know the cerebral cortex like there's going to be some part of the brain that is predominantly responsible for memory but yeah. the entire brain is responsible for memory because of the way we perceive all five senses. So interesting. Yeah, so depending on the memory and how you are depicting it and how you originally encoded the memory, whether it was a thought or whether as you saw something or you heard something or you smelled it or all of those stimuli were interacted at once, excuse me, it will encode a different pathway through the cells and the neurons in your brain. So depending on how you remember it, different parts of your brain will fire off. So each part of the brain is is responsible for memory. And and that's why I just rambled off all the parts of the brain and didn't really take my time on it because they're irrelevant because they're all important. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know the movie Inside Out? Sure do. It's what I think it, about whenever anyone mentions memory. Exactly. It depicts memory as glowing little spheres in your brain that yep. you just store on a shelf like a library. Yep. Uh, in reality, obviously, it's much more complex. So from the list of things I just rambled, there's not one form of location in the brain that is solely and directly related and responsible for memory. All cool. parts of the brain work together to encode and store memories. For example, if you were to remember eating Mildred's homemade pie, it would involve <laughs> many parts of your brain working together to reinforce the memory. The scent from the cinnamon, the taste of the apple, the visual of the sensory or tactile of the texture of it in your mouth. Everything would be working together to remember uh, you coming home and eating a homemade pie. Just because maybe you did that as a kid. I don't know. That's a beautiful memory. I wish I, wish yeah. I could do that now. It, I know. I miss Mildred. Um, Oh, soon. 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 She's getting, she's getting her COVID shot tomorrow. Uh, my pop got his today. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so buried deep in the brain. Our... <laughs> I was going to say, we'll have to shack him up. <laughs> 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 we'll have to get him together. <laughs> Mildred, this is Tom. Tom, this is Mildred. So why are we meeting? Well, <laughs> you're bubbled you're... now. You bubble now. Romantically. It's just because you can, that's all. Mm. Uh, Buried deep in the brain are a form of cells that are shaped like a seahorse, Evan. Wait, can you what? remember? Wait, what? There's in, in deep within your brain. Yeah. There is a part of the brain, which is a form of cells yes. that are shaped like a seahorse. Really? Do you remember what it, the part of the brain is called? I do not. I'll give you a clue. A, you we just said it. Hippocampus? The hippocampus. Uh. Um, so we owe a lot of our understandings and memories, uh, sorry, understanding about memories due to the hippocampus. Although, like I said, uh, there is not one singular section that is responsible for it. The hippocampus plays a big role. So back in 1953, there was a patient uh, by known by the initials HM, he he was known as HM for anonymity purposes. Um, but in 2008, when he passed away, they released his name, and I forgot to write it down. But we're gonna go by <laughs> HM. I'm just gonna keep him anonymous. Yeah. So, but back in 1953, hmm. he underwent. <laughs> he, he under. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What was his and name? Then, hmm. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, so anyways, in 1953, he underwent a surgery for his epilepsy. 
uh, which ended up removing a large majority of his hippocampus. At the time, the doctors had actually no idea what they were doing and didn't really understand the repercussions of their actions. When they were doing their tests, they realized the majority of his epilepsy and his seizures were coming from the hippocampus. So that's right. why they cut that out. Um, he developed a severe type of amnesia where he could form new memories. Uh, sorry, he, he could not form new memories, okay. but he retained all of his former memories. So when he woke up, he knew who he was, where he was, when, all that kind of stuff. He knew how to ride a bike, tie his shoes, all that kind of fun stuff. But he could not form new memories. Wow. Yeah. So you could walk into the room, spend hours and hours and hours and hours with him. You leave the room, he forgot you immediately. That's yeah. really difficult. So I mean, like, he can still function in, in society yep. because he knows how to do everything. And he like yep. forgot his memories once he was an adult. But... Like, he couldn't, like, meet a new girlfriend or make a new friend. Nope. That's like, so he remembered how to do taxes up until 1953, but if they change the tax code, I mean, that's it now. You're just as bad as all of us. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're all in the same boat now. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. So this shows us that the hippocampus is crucial to the formation of new memories, but it's not important on where the memories are held. Right. Yeah, so it just goes. <laughs> this botched experiment that scientists once did tells us this. Well, so when they realized what they had done and they realized everything, he agreed. He was studied by over three dozen different scientists throughout his lifetime, mm. um, and we learned a lot from him and and that and that experiment um, about a memory. Sorry about memory storage, encoding everything uh, about the parts of the brain that are responsible for it. When he passed in two thousand and eight. He uh, he donated his brain to research. They froze it and then cut it up into twenty one hundred pieces. What? Uh, um, okay. Yep, little slivers, twenty one hundred slivers, and uh, then would freeze individual pieces and put it under microscopes for testing purposes and analysis. I. Talk about your mind being blown. Well, <laughs> I don't understand how they could find out things from little slivers of frozen brain. But, I mean, obviously they can. They wouldn't have done it. But Yeah. I don't know. Bye. Okay. Go on. Anyways. So now that we know everything there is to know about encoding, Evan, yes. uh, let's move to the storage phase. So once the encoding process is underway, which is predominantly all you're doing is just analyzing the stimulus and starting to process it. So you're seeing things, you're hearing things, and your body's just interpreting the stimulus. Mm-hmm. What we usually think of as memory in day-to-day usage is actually your long-term memory. But there's also a very important short-term and sensory memory process, um, which must be worked through before a long-term memory can be established. So anytime that you say, I have a memory, or memory, memory, we're oftentimes referring to... <laughs> anytime you say, memory, memory, <laughs> I have all, a, all alone in the moonlight. <laughs> all alone in the moonlight. Um, it's, we're speaking of long-term memory. Okay. Right. Uh, the... <laughs> Oh my. The different types of memory each have their own particular mode of operation. Uh, But they all cooperate in the process of memorization and can be seen as three necessary steps in forming lasting memories. Okay. So, short term memory uh, has the time span ranging from seconds to a few minutes. They are stored temporarily and then either 
make their way to the long-term memory storage, or they all get discarded. Um, <laughs> let us say someone gives you a cell phone number. Yeah. As the number is new, uh, so our, nem- our memory will retain it for the short term. Um, there are the possible chances that we're going to forget about this number after a few moments. Short-term memories last about 20 to 30 seconds. These memories mostly consist of the information we are currently focusing on and thinking about. So in this very moment, I'm thinking about holding this iPad, but I will almost immediately forget about it within the next 20, 30 seconds. Until You'll I have forget to that you're to holding, think about it? holding it. Well, no, <laughs> but I'm thinking about actively holding it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Then there's, that's a great example yeah thanks then there's long-term memory um these are the memories stored in the brain over a more extended period of time they are several uh short-term memories organized to form a long memory that is stored permanently depending on its importance and the number of recalls it can fade or be remembered forever for example you can recall your 18th birthday but not what you ate on monday three weeks ago so mm-hmm. Just as an example, a little bit better than holding the iPad. Long-term memories (laughs) can be explicit or implicit. Explicit memories can be further divided into episodic or semantic. And implicit memories can be procedural. So explicit memories, um, these are the memories that require like conscious effort. Of, like, recalling. So, like, uh, I don't know, like, as a friend, like, baby shower three years ago, or the knowledge that the Earth is a planet, or seven times seven. Like, that. that is all explicit memory that you learn. Okay. Explicit memory, okay? Uh, episodic. So, these comprise of events of one person's life. So, your graduation, Christmas morning. Uh, these memories are edited by, brain, by the brain over time when we recall them in specific contexts. They're not very reliable. Uh, the brain's ability to retain episodic memory depends on the number of sensory stimuli involved during the memory and your emotions. Okay. Uh, semantic. So these memories are general facts and knowledge of things around us, like cats are mammals, Earth has one moon, and a year has 12 months. These memories get uploaded with new pieces of information. The phenomenon of forgetting is involved in making a place in, sorry, making a place for new facts without cause cognitive dissonance. So that's like saying, uh, well, the Earth is flat. And then once they discover that the Earth is round, they forget that the earth is flat do you know what i mean like in like information that overrides old information because it's updated right okay yeah sure um implicit memory these memories do not involve active or conscious recalling they are mostly procedural for example riding your bike tying your shoes driving a car like those kinds of things they're implicit memory they do not involve active uh recall okay um so just as another breakdown so there's sensory which is the the response of the stimulus. Short-term memory, long-term memory. Your long-term memory is split up into two categories. Implicit, which is unconscious, so like stuff like driving a car, stuff like that. And then explicit, which is memory-based things, like consciously remembering things. Um, procedural memory would fall into implicit. Uh, declarative memory would be facts, events, and stuff like that, which then get divided into episodic or semantic memories. Cool. What about, like, like is there is there a, a title for things that we deem to be facts but aren't? 
Like when no. you and I get into arguments about things and we were just like, I know this. I know this is a fact, but it's actually not a fact. No, that's just that's just being stupid. Oh, okay, great. Moving yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Because there's there's no like old like they talk about um a little bit about memory on how you get confused on like if like well, let's just say we both thought we were correct and we won't we weren't arguing for stubbornness. We actually both sincerely thought we were correct in what we were saying. I never argue for stubbornness. I always argue. Yeah, because I think I'm right. right. Yeah, no, I argue because right. I think I'm right. I might be stubborn that I think I'm right, but I think definitely think I'm right. No, nah, sometimes I just argue for the sake of arguing. I know you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Um, so, um, but there could be an issue in how the memory was formed and how your information was was encoded or how you retrieved it. So right. let's go to the retrieval or the recalling of the information. Okay. So to retrieve the information uh, and the memory, your brain replays or revisits the nerve pathways created when the memory was formed. So repeatedly recalling information helps strengthen those connections and your memories, which is why techniques like reviewing your notes or using flashcards help you retain information. Hmm. However, when you remember something, it's not an exact reproduction of the first time you experienced an event or came across a fact, because your own awareness of the current situation gets mixed in with the memory. Okay. So it's like every time you recall something, whatever stimulus is happening at that time gets mixed in with that memory as well. Right. So like right now, like earlier in this episode, you, you and I talked about E-bombs world and we talked about all the memories from E-bombs world. And we talked about that. Yeah. Now the stimulus around us, which is you and I sitting here talking about it in front of our microphones with the iPads are now that those neural pathways are getting confused with the E-bombs world ones. So if we try to talk about this 30, 40, 50 years from now, uh, God forbid we're still alive. Um, we'll there like, might we'll be... likely go, oh God, remember the podcast we had? Yeah. And then we'll right. be like, remember we sat down and went on E-Bombs World? Like yeah. those kinds of things, right? Um, so memories are not frozen in time. Uh, and new information and suggestions may become incorporated into old memories over time as well. Okay. Thus, remembering can be thought of as an act of creative reimagination. That's also why people can have false memories, or their memories of events might change over time. Right. Our memories are often accessed in three different ways. There's recall, recognition, or relearning. So recall is retrieving information learned previously. For example, blank is the drummer for blank 182. <laughs> well done. Travis Parker. Yeah, where the blank would be filled and recalled from previous memory or knowledge. Make right. sense? Yes. Recognition is similar, but you only need to identify things or items that were previously learned. For example, Jeff still confuses the following. A, numbers. B, letters. C, his primary colors. <laughs> all, it's all of the above an option. <laughs> <laughs> So you only have to identify certain things and recognize them instead of recalling them. Okay. And then finally is relearning, which is a measure of memory based on the amount of time it takes to learn material again. Like okay. studying for a final exam or when I do topics that seem to always bring us back to wavelengths. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So how quickly you can relearn the information based on knowing it from before. 
Right. So now that we know, obviously, everything there is to know about the process of memory and how it works, let's dive into it a little bit more, shall we? And sometimes how it could not work. Okay. So forgetting is a surprisingly common event. Yes. Just consider how often, you know, you forget someone's name or you overlook something else or you forget where you lay your keys. Um, but why do we forget the information that we've learned in the past? So there's four basic, and I mean basic, explanations for why forgetting occurs. So A, the failure to store so or to encode the information. B, there's interference. Right. C, motivated forgetting. Or D, retrieval failure. Uh, now, to be honest with you, I'd almost, I don't know, there's no really particular order to them. I mean, retrieval fo- failure seems like that will be applicable for all of them. Well, retrieval failure might not be it at all, because if you encoded it incorrectly, or you stored it incorrectly, then your retrieval of it could be appropriate. It uh, just didn't, do you know what I mean? Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good like, point. It might sound really silly, but in terms of the encoding portion, which is just analyzing the stimulus, let's say, well, let's put it this way. What if I looked at a color and I was like, huh, that's blue. But in reality, it's like, a, I don't know, like a green, just, just for stupidity. I almost said stupidity. You've, I almost just you made up stupidity. stupidity. <laughs> well, I like it. I, 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 I like that. Simplicity and stupidity. Stupidity. Yep. All right. And also, like, dumb as piss is also in yeah, there a little bit. Dumb yeah. as piss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a keeper. Um, yeah. Let's stupidity. Keep can, can, so, guys, can you catch that on? Can we hashtag stupidity? Uh, I, I'm would, going to now. It's going to go become viral. a thing. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, for stupidity's sake, um, <laughs> yeah. If, <laughs> if, if I were to encode the color blue as green, and I would just say, yeah, that's green because that's how I name it and encode it. Yeah. When I go to retrieve it, just because I retrieve it and say it's green, it's the encoding that was the mix. Do you know what I mean? it's not actually. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. when we had a family car, we had a, um, I don't know what it was. It sort of looked like the, uh, what's the car that Marty McFly drives? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See how I retrieved that just then? Well done. Um, well, we had a car that was like, it sort of looked a little bit like the DeLorean, but I think it was a, like a really old BMW. Anyway, um, when I was like four or five, I used to say, let's go get in the gray car. And my parents would be like, that's green. And like, to this day, I'm still like, there's no way that car was green. Mm-hmm. But everyone in my family is like, no, 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 that car was green. And I was like, well, five-year-old me looked at that. I knew the difference between gray and green. Yeah. Like in any other context, I wouldn't see a tree and be like, look at that weird gray tree. But yep. for that, for some reason, that car, whatever shade it was, I saw as gray and everyone else saw as green. Well, there could have been that. So that could have been an encoding issue. So how your body uh, perceived the stimulus and how you encoded it. It could have been a storage issue. So for instance, um, or like what they call it, interference. So what the interference would be is, let's say the same day that your body decided or your mind decided to encode and save the information as your car as a memory, could be the same time you saw a tree. Or, sorry, did you call it gray or green? I called it gray. And it, it was green. Apparently. Sure. So whatever it is, you saw something else of the same color standing or being near the car, and your bot, the interference stopped it and, and confused it. So the storage of it, it went in incorrectly. Right? Yeah, I guess so. But it wasn't even just the story because I saw that car every single day. And every single time I saw it, it was like this big thing where like Evan keeps calling the car gray. Yeah, but then that just became a thing after a while, right? Um, 
And then finally, the retrieval failure could have been the moment the first time you called it gray, you could have been trying to remember the car, but instead your body or your mind, sorry, uh, brought into the memory of something that was gray and forced you to say that it was gray. And But even though you're trying to think of the car, do you know what I mean? Like there was a retrieval failure and yeah. it retrieved the wrong memory or brought the wrong one to the, to the, to the tip of your mind to, to relive. Um, also, and I'm not going to talk about it a lot. Um, actually, no, I'm going to wait. I'll bring up that point later. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> research has shown that one of the critical factors that influence memory failure is time. Information is often quickly forgotten, particularly if people do not actively review and rehearse the information. Sometimes information is simply lost from memory, and in other cases, it was never stored correctly in the first place. Sometimes memories compete with one another, making it difficult to remember certain information. In other instances, people actively try to forget things that they simply don't want to remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are three types of uh, different things. There's passive, sorry, passive, oblivescence, oblivescence, yeah, passive oblivescence. That's a hard one. There's a lot of S's, V's, and B's. Passive oblivescence. Yep. Anyways, <laughs> those are some letters that are in those words. <laughs> yeah, those are some uh, consonants, Jeff. Well done. Um, uh, this is the process of losing memory when the neuron connection weakens over time. So okay. with aging, or when we do not actively recall a memory, the neurons that link the memory together are lost. It can also happen when we lose the stimulus to the mind. Uh, the memory might still be there, but we are not able to access it anymore. Okay. So, but it just stays there. Just like, so in like the equivalent of Inside Out, it's when those like the guys are going around sucking up the memories that go gray, but they don't actually get sucked up necessarily. Like some of them yeah. just live there and you can't recall them. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar to that. Yep. Weird. Uh, target forgetting. So this happens when our brain actively prunes and discard certain details of a memory. For example, when we learn a new piece of information that contradicts the previous one, the pleasant memory is retained. The conflicted one is dismissed. Right. With target forgetting, we also eliminate our, um, our conflicted beliefs and welcome new perspectives. Right. And then there is motivated forgetting. It is a phenomenon of a deliberate forgetting of traumatic and unpleasant events. Right. The exact mechanism is actually unknown, but when we decide to forget something, the brain steps in. It blocks the neurological pathways to a certain memory, and we forget it. That's crazy. And also, like, I know so many people that that has happened to. Like, my mom, yep. I, I had to have surgery when I was younger um, for, like, a health thing. And I was bringing it up one day to my mom, and I was like, remember, and, like... Uh, <laughs> We even got this, but anyway. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Well, I just remembered what the surgery was for. And now it feels weird to talk about. Yeah, let's, if it's going to be like 18R. <laughs> no, it's not 18R. I was like four, but I had to have this surgery on my penis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for a while... <laughs> can open worms everywhere <laughs> anyway i brought up to my mom this time we can cut all this it doesn't matter but i brought up to my mom one time because we were at her friend bernie's house in st john's i was like oh yeah i remember being at bernie's house it was like that time when i had got whatever happened like i got that surgery and it really hurt when i peed 
<laughs> mom was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. But like, I don't just remember like being at Bernie's house. It was like we were there because we were staying there because I had surgery in St. John's. And like, I remember being in her bathroom and it really hurt me when I peed because of the surgery that I had. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she could not remember it because I was like in at such like odds with myself because like I was only four. I didn't understand why it hurt and, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. I was like trying to explain this to a kid that mom blocked it out. She couldn't remember it. Do you think it's a, a massive coincidence, or do you think there is a retrieval error that the person's house you stayed at was name was Birdie? No, no, Bernie. Oh, they said Birdie. <laughs> no, you've been to Birdie's house. Birdie is where they. Birdie hosted. Remember after my wedding um, rehearsal, that's whose house we had the little party at. Oh, okay, yes. Funny. Anyway, go on. Well, that was a treat. Thank you for that story. <laughs> Oh, God. So some more serious reasons could be because of memory or neurological disorders or diseases. Uh, The hippocampus plays a discrete role in collection and recalling of the memories. Neurological uh, deficits are playing a role in giving rise to false memory. Certain neurological techniques are utilized to study memory disorders more in depth. There are certain reasons uh, which are linked to produce mild and severe memory disorders. Each particular reason may separately account for a certain deteriorative disorder, or many of the causes get together to produce a certain condition within an individual. These include age, genetic inheritance, so having the genes for Alzheimer's or Huntington's, uh, trauma, construction of the cerebral vessels and arteries, the use of excessive drugs, alcohol, narcotics, opioids, uh, untreated metabolic disorders like diabetes, vitamin deficiencies, cardiovascular disease, brain tumors, and just an unhealthy diet. Mm. These are all things that affect your memory. Wow. So there are disorders and diseases that uh, are affected with memory. So there's dementia, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the vascular dementia. There's three forms of different types of dementia um it it arises sorry from vascular constriction leading to the decreased blood flow to this um to the cerebral and the cerebral areas um i know that yeah so strokes and head injuries can cause this type of dementia so you don't have to be old for it uh louis bodies this type of dementia is particularly related to the development and the um, deposition, sorry, of abnormal protein types called Lewy bodies. These abnormal um, deposition lesions, uh, sorry, lessen the memory space given rise to deteriorative brain functions. Then there's the frontotemporal dementia, which is the one that unfortunately a lot of us are all too familiar with that comes with aging. Yeah. Right. Uh, then there's Alzheimer's disease. Um, which uh, the brain changes are noticeable features of this type of memory disorder. It is characterized by two important features. One is the formation of uh, amyloid plaques, um, and the other is the formation of neurofibrillary tangles. Um, These both account for brain signals uh, due to lack of neurotransmitters in the brain, and it gives rise to impairments and hinders the functioning of daily tasks. So uh, have you ever seen... Oh, the movie Away From Her? Yeah, I have. Woof. Yeah, woof. I mean, it's just stunning. Like, I, it's an amazing movie, but, like, oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Um, so then there is uh, encephalopathy. Encephalopathy, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, <laughs> so that's just, 
I know it sounds silly. Um, First, I thought he said telepathy. Sorry. I was like, that sounds no, like no, a no. brain thing. <laughs> Encephalopathy. Okay. Encephalopathy, not... Yeah, I pronounce it weirdly the first time. Encephalopathy. Uh, So it's brain inflammation, which can lead to major neurological changes, altering the brain functions. Um, So immense brain signals uh, can give rise to seizures and fits. It's coupled with a state of delirium. So viruses are the main cause of encephalitis. Um, Oh, encephalitis. That's what Tyler had. Yeah. So what what encephalitis is, it's an inflammation in the brain. Yep. caused by viruses. Yep. So you could have um, a strain of a virus, encephalitis. Do you know what yep. I mean? Yep. So whatever virus you have, then you tack on encephalitis and it attacks the brain, causes inflammation, and then causes a lot of neurological issues. Yeah, absolutely. So he had the, um, whatever the herpes strain of it is. Yeah, so herpes right. encephalitis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's lots of those. Uh, I mean, I should say, ha- yeah, he had it and he's, doesn't have it now, but I mean, his memory Correct. is still insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that one as well. So I didn't really want to get into too much of the disorders and the diseases because, you it's know, a bit what? of a Debbie Downer. There's a Debbie Downer, and we all know yeah. they suck, and we all know there's not a lot of research. Well, there's lots of research, but not a lot of like answers of like, yeah. this is how you solve it. A lot of it's like, it just sucks to suck, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so here are some things you can do to actually improve your memory. Okay. On a day-to-day, things that can actually work and do on. Yeah, exactly. Sudoku. So, number one is to sleep on it, which is funny. Um, a research study found that people who slept for eight hours after learning new faces and names were better able to remember them compared to those who didn't get the same sleep opportunity. Okay. Yeah. So, if you have a big test, a lot of sleep before the test is important. <gasps> a lot of people are like, there's a rat in my backyard. How big is he? He's not small. Oh, get a picture, old man. Big rat. Huge rat. He took off. He saw me through the window, but he took off. Ruby didn't see him, thank God. I thought you got excited about my topic for a second, but he knows that wasn't the fact. Well, it's just funny because I was sitting here going, I bet I'm going to see her rat out there tonight. (laughs) I hate it. Okay, sorry. Go on. Anyways. So one is to get lots of sleep. Um... Number two is improving physical activity and diet. So obviously certain vitamins and minerals are directly linked to memory and retention of information. Uh, Balanced lifestyle. These are all, you know, people could have assumed that was a fact. Um, But exercising four hours after trying to remember something will also stimulate parts of the brain and the mind that will work to help retain the information as well. Really? Yeah. So that was one. Well, that's why I can't remember anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, get a treadmill, you nutty. Get a treadmill, you nobody. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so then there are mnemonic devices. Uh, so everybody knows what a mnemonic device is. Um, but the common, there are, there's different forms of mnemonic devices. So the common one, so my very educated mother just served us nine pizzas. Do you know what that one's for? Uh, what do you mean? I'm saying a mnemonic device. Do you know what it's for? My very educated mother just it's like served a, a, us. An, ac- an acronym, you mean? Like, what do you mean by a mnemonic device? So, you know what a mnemonic device is, correct? I'm not sure I do now. 
Okay, so a mnemonic device is a tool used to help you memorize certain things. And they can be, like you said, acronyms. They could be alliteration. It uh, could be first letters of a certain amount of things, which I'm oh, going to explain okay. a couple of them. Well, now. I love these because that's what I used to do for every single test. I'd make up a giant acronym or some like song or whatever, and that's how I remember yeah. the facts. Yeah. So, so my mother served us nine pieces of pizza. My very educated mother just served us nine pizzas. I have no idea. Okay. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. Oh. Yeah. Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Father Charles goes down and ends battle. Battle ends and down goes Charles' father. Exactly. So there's that's that same kind of common mnemonic device. Okay. Right? Acronyms are the same thing. Taking the first letter of everything and turning it into a, a jumble of words and trying, like, bed mass. Yeah. Right? It's an acronym. Yeah. Um, then there are musical mnemonic devices like A B C D E F G H the your ABCs. That's a musical right. mnemonic, right? Yeah. Then there are rhyming mnemonic devices, which is thirty days, half September, April, June, and November. Right. Right. Um, Except so for all... everywhere, I got twenty eight, and nobody gives a damn about the rhyme no more. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said that's so dumb. It's like rhyme, 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 rhyme. And then we get to February and it's like, okay, the rhyme's over apparently. Just remember the last bit. Yep, exactly. Just remember it. Move on. But you remembered it even still. True. Uh, Then there's chunking. So (laughs) the chunking technique involves grouping items, finding patterns in them, and organizing the items accordingly. So just as an easy example, phone numbers. Like remembering 10 numbers in a row is actually quite difficult. But if you right. chunk them, 709, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. You go 3, 3, 4. When you chunk them, the brain is Did able to. Just give to... your own phone number on the podcast? No, I said 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, oh. 7. <laughs> but yours does have like a weird, like a 2, 3, 4, 5, doesn't it? Or at some point? Well, let's not say it on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's how well I was listening. I was like, that's your number, Jeff, 709 123456789. I do that with, uh, like, every time I get a new car, which I just did, in terms of my license plate, I'll come up with a way to remember what my nice license plate number is. Yeah. So the um, last so one you had was like, JCS, Jesus Christ Yeah, Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. And then it was like um, JC, JCS 203. And I, don't know, I just used to be like, 203 is John chapter 20, verse 3. I just made up a thing that was like also religious. Yes. And for this one, it's J and K, so it's junk, and I don't remember what the letters are. I don't remember what the, what the, I don't remember what the numbers are. I mean, I have to come up with a way to remember those. Yeah. So chunking. I also had a, a I had a Jeff a JFS once. I had a Jeffrey Francis Sims. You did. You had a JFS. I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, chunking is another thing that you can do. Just group things together and chunk it up. Um, yeah. So associating more than one sense to the in, to the information will also help you trying to remember. So if you're trying to uh, remember your car, for instance, if it's just a visual thing that you have of like this car is gray or green, but if you say mm, that car smells like farts, then it's <laughs> that helps you recall the car yeah, a little the, bit better. It's the reason that when everybody tells me, like if I meet somebody for the first time and they tell me their first name. I'll know I'll never remember it. So now I've I've realized that my brain needs the mnemonic device, I guess, for lack of a better term, of asking them what their last name is. And if I know their first name and their last name, there's much less of a chance I'm gonna uh, I'll, that I'll forget it. Interesting. I don't know what yeah. that is. That's I think that's you just actively trying to pay attention and remember it. 
Well, yeah, but also, like, I'm just so used to forgetting people's names. Like, you know, if they're like, hi, my name's Steve. I'm like, great. There's a million Steves. I'm not going to remember that your name is Steve. True, true. I guess it's filing and, and organizing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're like, my name is Steve Hugamudge, I'm like, well, I'm Ugh. definitely going to remember that. I want to remember you know? Hugamudge. Yeah. Um, cool. So the next thing that they recommend is to, obviously, like I said, associate more than one stimulus to it. Uh, make it emotional. So if you attach an <laughs> so like emotion, lick, lick Steve and see what he tastes like, <laughs> and then be upset that you licked him. <laughs> but if you attach an emotion to it, it makes it that much stronger. Um, what if Steve attaches it, an emotion to it? <laughs> yeah, he's rotted with you. Gives um, you a bunch of lips. Ugh, you remember that? That's your that's your tactile. Um, write it down. Never type it. So if you're trying to remember something like notes or anything, always handwrite it. Never type it. Oh. Um, yeah. So the the last one that I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to just speak about it very briefly, is called a mind palace. Have you heard about this no. before? A mind palace? Have you heard about a mind palace? I don't think so. Oh, Evan, it is the coolest thing on the planet. That's a lie. There's way cooler things on the planet. <laughs> but uh, we've we've done episodes on volcanoes and black holes, so obviously there's there's cooler things. But right. so. I'm very intrigued that you don't know anything about it, but I'm afraid it's going to take me a while to explain it. So, the way a mind... So, have you ever seen these crazy, crazy contests of people like in the Guinness Book of World Records and like trying to remember things in a series of things, whether it's a series of numbers, series of names, words, objects, playing cards? Have you ever heard of any of those uh, things before? A kind of. Like, like I've heard of like the people who have memorized as much of pie as... Like, there's some schools that they do a competition... Yeah, probably during like Pi Week or Pi Day, whatever March fourteenth. They probably do like a whoever can remember the most digits. Like I've had students come in and be like, "Oh yeah, I won the contest of who can remember the most digits of Pi." Yeah, so like there's like world contests of that, yeah. and it's it's not people who are like they just have crazy good memories. They just have crazy cool systems built in their minds of how to retain and recall the information and lots because of spare the, time. What? And lots of spare time. Yes, lots of spare time. No friends, but lots of spare time. Yeah. Um. But it's about how you organize the information and associate different things with it to make the information more important when it's being encoded and stored. Okay. So, have you seen Sherlock Holmes with Benedict Cumberbatch? Benedict Cumberbatch made a feminist lumberjack. It's, I have not. A, you need to watch it. It is incredible. It's a TV um, show? Yep. It's on uh, Amazon. No, it's on Netflix. Yep. I do need to um, watch it. There's like four or five seasons. Phenomenal. It also has the actor who plays Bilbo in The Hobbit, and I can't remember yes. his name. Uh, his name is Martin. Yes. I should have asked him his last name. Maybe you would have remembered it. <laughs> Freeman. Maybe. It is. It's Martin Freeman. Well done. Um, so anyways, the two of them are in it, and it's phenomenal. But um, Sherlock Holmes uses a mind palace. And so what he does is to remember everything, what you do is you create, there's a couple of stages to it. Uh, you, you have to have a place that you know inside and out perfectly. Like if you close your eyes. So a lot of the times people use like their childhood home, their okay. school, um, a playground, something that they like literally know inside out, like your current home even maybe. Okay? okay, so you would close your eyes and you can walk into a room and you see everything that is in the room exactly as is, and okay. you place things in the room. So like you have your bed, like if you like right now I'm I'm in my bedroom. So I come into my bedroom. I have my TV, the window with the curtains, bed, right. closet. 
So you'd have like those major standpoints in the in okay. the room. Yeah. But you have to have this for a full house or a palace or a massive like area. Okay. Okay. So once you know the area well and you know all the items in the area, then you label them with numbers in terms of like one, two, three, four, in terms of how you look around the room to see the items in the room. And it always has to be the same consistent items first. So okay. I walk in, I see the TV, window, bed, closet. So one, two, three, four. And they're the same. It's the same rotation. That's how I'll always see this room when I walk in and when I close my eyes. Make sense? Okay. Yep. Then what you do is you associate what it is you're trying to remember into that room. Okay. So let's just say, um, well, actually, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm just gonna give. A, I'm just gonna make this up off the top of my head, so it's not gonna make any sense. Okay? okay. Let's say you're trying to remember playing cards. Okay. Okay. And the first card is the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. So to associate the Queen of Hearts, you think of a queen like the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland, like that okay. like classic figurine of the Queen of Hearts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you associate her with number one. So I walk into my room and she is sitting there next to my TV, or she's on the TV. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The next is the two of clubs or two of spades. And the spades is two spades, two shovels. Yeah. Okay. They're there in the window ledge. Yeah. The next card is a eight of diamonds. And I think of eight diamonds. I don't know. I'm just being an idiot now. That's like and on then, your comforter on your bed. Yes. Uh, right. eight, yes. And then the other, then there'll be the two of clubs and there'll be two baseball clubs or something or two clubs do you know what i mean hanging out by the closet or whatever the item that you affiliate with what you're trying to remember okay okay yeah then what you do is you close your eyes and you put them in the room Mm. and they're affiliated with the room so then every time you walk into the room you look on the tv and you see oh there is the queen of hearts you look at the window and you see uh the two of spades spades. yeah then you look on the bed and you see the eight diamonds on your bed and then you look at the closet and you see your four clubs or your two clubs. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that's how you would associate what you're trying to remember in the room. But the, the why they call it a palace is because there's unimaginable amount of rooms. And in these rooms, there's so many different numbers of items and things within the rooms that you then associate with things inside the room. So you to remember those things and recall them, you simply walk through the house or you walk through the palace. Right. So what these people do is they sit down, they have to memorize all these cards really, really quickly, or memorize all these numbers really quickly. But they're not actually remembering numbers. They're remembering symbols affiliated with the numbers. So when they look at pi, they don't go 3.141752. They think of like monkey, giraffe, book, table, lamp, thing, and they're remembering items that are affiliated with the numbers, but they're placing those items in their mind palace. And then when it comes for them to recall it, they simply walk through their, they close their eyes, they walk through their mind palace, and they start recalling the things based on where they are in the rooms. I love that. Can you ask me at the end of this podcast, I want you to ask me what the four cards that you said at this point were. Well, can you visualize this room based on that? I can visualize your bedroom. Yeah. And, and And what I talked about. Yeah. I've got them right now, but I want to see if like in a half an hour from now when I'm done my topic, if I can still remember them. Yeah. Um. Funny enough, just as a side note, so last February, so not the February that just, or January, February, not the one that just passed, but the one before that was the last show I did before doing the Christmas show. It was called Title of Show. Right. 
And there was a specific scene in the show that I was always screwing up. And the show opened in four days, and I kept screwing up the scene. I was incredibly, and I mean very incredibly nervous about this show. I couldn't remember certain lines. And there was this one scene, and I had five things. It was like I had to get mad, or I just, it's, it's ironic that I can't remember it now. But it's, I had five things. There were five sequential things, but I kept screwing up the order of those five things. Right. It was like a monologue I had, and I kept screwing up the five things. So I actually created a mind palace for myself for my basement <laughs> nice. because there was five rooms. When you got down to the bottom of the stairs of the basement in my parents' house, yeah. there was the first room on your left, the second room, the main room, my old bedroom, and then the um, bathroom. Yeah, well, the, the room right before the bathroom is what I used, the kind of outside oh. basement. Oh, okay. But each one of those things, I would affiliate a symbol with it, and, and that's how I remembered it. That's now, mind so you, cool. during the show, I didn't close my eyes and walk through the palace. But during work and during downtime, when I didn't have enough time to try to memorize it, I would close my eyes and walk through my basement and open up the doors and see those symbols. And that's how I actually internalized that little monologue and those five chronological pieces. I wonder if it would mess you up if, like, okay, let's just say for right now, I'm, I'm picturing, because that's the way you described it, I'm picturing your bedroom yep. with... The Queen of Hearts, the Two of Spades, the Eight of Diamonds, and the Two of Clubs. Yep. And I'm picturing those images that you told me to picture. Yes. I wonder if I wanted to recall something else later, and I want I was like, okay, I'll use Jeff's bedroom. For some stupid reason, I'll use your bedroom. Yes. Would I find it confusing because I already have something associated with your bedroom? Well, that's the thing. So that's, there's, there's like conflicting things of like, there's some people who, like, for instance, let's say you use my room right? Instead of having four items in the room, you'd probably have 15 things in the room. Yes, There are three pictures on the wall. And in those pictures, you could put things on the pictures. And there's two nightstand tables, so you could use those. You know what I mean? Like, they have to be solid things that you know are in this room, and you can always picture in this room whenever you come in. But if there's only three things in that room, and you always want to remember those three things for the rest of time, and you lock that into your mind palace, yeah, you're probably right. You probably shouldn't use that room again. Right, but what if you don't want to, like, you know, these four cards, I don't really care to remember. Yeah. But, like, if I wanted to remember something else later, yeah. would, would, would I have to actively forget the things I'm already associating with that room, I wonder? Maybe. I mean, yeah. I, guess you'd have to, I guess you'd actually have to ask somebody who uses their um, a mind palace yeah. as an actual active form of memory. Like, go to them, be like, so, hey, how big is your damn palace? Because in yeah. the show Sherlock Holmes, he yeah. has the whole town of London. Wow. Or the whole, uh, I just call it a town. City. Uh, yeah, whole city of London, because he has a photographic memory. But he remembers everything, so he does have to encode it, and he has to put it in places. But then it's really funny, because he'll be like, he'll be like, wait, 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 wait. And he, he has to tell everybody to shut up, and he closes his eyes, and you see this really cool thing of him like navigating his mind palace. Right. Oh, it's so cool. Uh, yeah, I need to watch that show. I would definitely love it. Anyways, uh, yeah, the show's phenomenal, uh, and I thought the Mind Palace thing was super interesting, because I knew a little bit about it, and I tried to use it during the show, and it worked, um, and I was hoping that you didn't know a little bit about it, so that's very, very interesting. I knew nothing, um, and I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Anyways. I think, it, I think it's going to work. I'm already confident I'm going to remember those cards till the end of this episode, I think. Yeah, well, just because of the imagery that's associated with it walking into the room. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, let's, uh, let's go to our favorite uh, time, buddy. Guess what time it is? It's true and false time. I love me some true and false. 
So, Mr. Evan Smith, are you ready for some true and false? Please. Number uno. Walking through a doorway triggers the brain to forget. Uh, true. True? Yeah. You are correct. Entering or exiting through a doorway serves as what they call an event boundary in the mind, which separates episodes of activity and files them away. That makes sense, because like when I leave a place, I'm like, shoot, where did I lay my keys? Yeah. Because always stuff... when you leave, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, because it, it, it divides your life into episodes of like, yeah. This chunk happened. They they did a study of people unpacking and packing things in boxes, and one team packed and unpacked things in boxes in one room. Another one would pack it into a box, move it to another room, and then unpack it. And they had to see who could remember what went in what box, and the people who right. moved it to another room forgot. Hmm. Interesting. Number two, there is a peak age for facial recognition, and it ranges between ages 15 and 20. Like, as in people from the age of 15 to 20 will remember people's faces more? Yes, there is there is a peak for your ability to recognize faces, and it's around the ages of 15, 20. True. False. Uh, um, is 30 to 34. Oh, there is a peak age, though. There is, yeah. You actually peak between 30 and 34, which is interesting. Okay. I thought you'd peak earlier on, but it's 30 to 34, yeah. and that's all downhill from there, buddy. I haven't got there yet, but meanwhile, I'll see somebody at, like, Sobies and go like, how do I know that person? They'll be like, she'll be the person who served me at Costco. So yeah, like, I'm re- I'm reaching that peak now. Yeah, you're getting there, buddy. You're getting real yeah. good, real acute yeah. uh, facial recognition. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so number three. So you're what? One for one. One for one. Yep. Yeah. One for one. No, uh, I'm one. I'm no, no. I'm one, and one. One. One, one, one and one. One and one. Yeah. Number three. Closing your eyes when trying to remember something actively makes it more difficult to remember it. Uh, I think that's false because you literally said earlier when you were doing the mind passage, yeah, you close your eyes. Yeah, I screwed eyes. myself on that one. Yeah, it's false. Yeah. It's actually correct. If you do close your eyes, it does help because you block yeah. out current stimuli. Yeah. Right. I screwed myself on that one. Yeah. Good for you for listening, though. Uh, number you. four. It is believed that you could hold between five and nine items in your short-term memory. Uh... Like if you were trying to recall like a lamp, a spoon, a blank. Nope, just within your short-term memory. So as things are trying to be encoded into like short-term to long-term, at any given oh, time... Oh, it you could be an event. Five, it could be anything. You could have five to nine things in your short-term memory. Now, one of them might go long-term. The, re- the rest might go discarded and get, disappear. Or all of them might go long-term. But at any given right. moment, you could have only five to nine before your body either gets rid of it or decides it's important and moves it to the long-term. I think that's true. That is also true, Mr. Smith. Well done. Yeah. Three and one. Number five. Jill Price was the first person diagnosed with HSAM, a disorder where she remembers literally everything that has ever happened to her ever. What's it called? HSAM. H-S-A-M. I feel like Jill Price was diagnosed with HSAM, but it doesn't mean that or something. I'm going to say false. Mm, buddy, it's true. Oh. 
Yeah. So it's a disorder wow. that she actually remembers everything that's ever happened to her ever. So she remembers what clothes she put on 12 years ago, if she right. tripped up in a block of ice walking down the street on last Thursday. Every single well, thing. Not so much last Thursday, more so like Thursday 27 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's, I, mean, I people, remember if I tripped up in a block of ice last Thursday. Yes, because of the bruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your band-aid. Um, but because I went to the Janeway. <laughs> yeah, the Janeway, not the hospital. You went to the Janeway, you baby. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so people thought it was a blessing, but she has said it's been a curse. Mm, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, number six, right-handed people. Um, what? That the sentence doesn't even make sense. Right-handed people have better memories. Hmm. What I really meant when I was writing down that sentence is right-handed people are better at recalling memories, or they have better long-term memory recall. I'm going to say true. False. Oh. Left-handed people actually have better memories. Oh, that's what I meant. I don't know. Oh, that's so dumb. I don't know why I mixed it up in my brain. I was like, left-handed. Yeah, I bet left-handed people do, because my mom's left-handed, and like I was trying to think of other people who I know who are left-handed. I was like, yeah, I bet they do have better memories. I'm left-handed, and I don't have a good memory. Ugh. Yeah, but you're an outlier in most things. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> 73% of the 239 convictions overturned through DNA testing since the 1990s were originally convicted due to eyewitness testimonies or through people recalling criminal activity. I bet that's true. That is so true. Yeah. Isn't that disgusting? It's horrible. That before DNA testing, 73% of the false convictions that were overturned were from people being like, oh yeah, I remember Buddy being there. He said this. And I also bet that a lot of those were prejudiced and just like, oh yeah, I saw that Yep, that person who was of a certain nationality and they were doing this and they shouldn't have been in that area, blah, 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 blah. It's and like, like no, even no. if it wasn't like, let's just say... 50% of the 73% were racist, prejudice, or they had some sort of underlying reason to lie. Yeah. yeah. Right? Which is a lot. The yeah. other 50%, it's because of memory, recall memory is so bad. It's not reliable, yeah. which is why they don't use right. it in court anymore. And they were, yeah, exactly. And they were using it as like the, the damning evidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Num number eight, good memories stick better than bad ones. I don't think that's true. So I think false. false. Yep. It's true. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Number nine. Sitting up straight increases your rate of remembering things. True. It's also true. What was your rationale there? You jumped to that real quick. Uh, I just felt like something that's good for you coincides with something that's good for you. Okay. All right. Uh, just another reason to sit up straight. Like, you know, when you hear like... Little things like, um, I don't know, drinking a glass of water in the morning actually does blank, blank, blank. You're like, really? That thing is like drinking water in the morning? Like, yeah. it's one of those. Like, if you sit up straight, also your memory gets better. True. Yeah. Well okay. done. Number 10. Sense of sight through your visual cortex has the greatest and strongest connection through memory. False. False. What is? Smell. Olfactory. Correct. Well done. Aha. Number 11. Oh, God. Your, your memory performs better while outside. Me personally or everyone's? 
Objectively. <laughs> um, I'm going to say true. Also true. All right. Number 12 and the final question of the day. Mr. Evan Smith, Stephen King doesn't remember writing The Shining due to his substance abuse. Hmm. There was severe substance abuse at one point, and I think it was likely around The Shining. But you may be messing with me, and it could be a different book. I think, I think the statement is true. The book may be a different book. But I'm going to say... I'm going to say true. Ooh, you should have trusted your gut, buddy. Uh, you are correct. It? Due to Stephen King's aggressive substance abuse, he did write a full book and then completely forget the process of writing it. The book was Cujo. Oh. Yeah. He says he obviously regrets it. And, you know, he doesn't have any major regrets of the situation, obviously, other than, you know, abusing substances. But he yeah. says he wished he enjoyed the process of writing the book because he said it was a fantastic book and he loved it. It is a great book. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a you're only going to ever read it once, but it is a great book. Yeah. So, Evan, my friend, there is the whirlwind of memory. As always with all these topics, it's, uh, you know, people spend their entire lives studying it and doing stuff. So this is just a tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. And I loved it. Good. Good job. Good job explaining. Thanks. Well, I'm going to explain to you tonight um, Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger's cat? So I heard about this because wait, you pause, pause, hold the phone. What? Are we gonna take a break? Oh, I forgot about a break, buddy. I gotta use the bathroom, and our listeners <laughs> need to use the bathroom. They were obviously <laughs> sitting at the edge of their seat, listening profoundly to every word Wait, I said, waiting for the break. Yeah. Anyway, mom, mom, I can't come to dinner yet. Jeff's still talking about memory. Yeah. Excuse me, Mr. Officer. No, I can't give you my license <laughs> and registration. Jeff is explaining the mind palace. <laughs> okay, let's break. Let's break. Don't push Body stop, break. Though. Welcome back, guys. The energy is high. The the heat is high. <laughs> Evan's high. <laughs> no, no, I haven't been to the uh, the old Dominion since the old pandemic. I thought it was all closed. No, old man. It's there. I went and. Uh... Me and Catherine been having a, a gum ski ski here and there. <laughs> nice. Oh man, they have these delicious um, strawberry ones. Ooh, ten out of ten. Buddy. I don't like strawberry flavored things as a general rule. I like a strawberry. I don't like strawberry flavored things. Interesting. I'm uh, I'm currently drinking a strawberry sour. Oh my! Mm. Gorgeous strawberry guava. Guava. So, Jeff, I'm going to explain to you Schrodinger's cat. Mm-hmm. And I heard about this because I was playing Exploding Kittens, which I know you've played and you enjoy. Love that game. Uh, I was playing it with Lee McDonald at whatever the place that used to be Mochalopoly is called, but mm-hmm. it's called something else, and then it closed down. Mochalopoly closed down. It was called something else, which is what I'm talking about, and then that closed down. Woof. Um, so anyway, one of the cards said on it, Schrodinger's cat. And I was like, that seems like it would be a funny reference if I knew what it was. Yes. Turns out, Schrodinger's cat is a thought experiment related to the theory of quantum mechanics. Ooh, I thought it was going to be something related to Pavlov's dog or the, the monkeys that they experimented on for like 
the nature versus nurture thing? It is not. The cat does not exist. There is no spoon. There is no cat. <laughs> well done. Um, Schrodinger's cat is just a cat bending up backwards. <laughs> 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 you have walking. Uh, well, I almost called him Walking Phoenix. Canna Reeves. Oh, Jesus, I said the F word. Canna Reeves. <laughs> That's okay. You just didn't need to call it out. <laughs> oh, geez, I said the F word. Um, oh, I just God. picture a. Um, <laughs> Cat Betty backwards to do like the Lindsay Lohan crab walk and family guy. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, so, anyway, a big thank you to Minute Physics for the very succinct YouTube explanation, Good. which I will now tell you pretty much verbatim. Uh, you put a cat in a bunker with some gunpowder that has a 50% chance of blowing up in the next minute and a 50% chance of doing nothing. Until we look in the bunker, we don't know whether the cat is dead or alive. And when we do look, it is either dead or alive. Like any experiment with probability, if you repeat it enough times, the statistics check out. You may flip a coin and get head three times in a row, but the more you flip the coin, the more the odds even out and you get heads and tails equally. If you could flip the coin for infinity, it would be exactly 50%. Right? Yes. So same idea here. 50% of the time, the cat going to die. 50% of the time, the cat's going to live. Yes. In quantum mechanics, the interpretation is that before we look in the bunker, the cat is in what is called a superposition, meaning that the cat is both dead and alive, and it's the act of looking that forces nature's decision. Yes. The cat either sees the gunpowder explode or not. So inside the bunker, we have two possibilities. The gunpowder explodes and the cat sees it explode, or the gunpowder doesn't explode and the cat doesn't see it explode. Sure. I thought I was being really clever when I came up with a third option, being if the cat had his eyes closed, the gunpowder could explode, <laughs> but the cat didn't see it. <laughs> uh. But bearing the fact that the cat is asleep, there is no option for the gunpowder to explode and the cat not to see it explode. Unless the cat was already dead before the explosion happened. Like the cat had a heart attack when he put him in the bunker? Or it was just a dead cat that you put in the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an imaginary cat, so... The cat's reality becomes entangled with the outcome of the experiment. Yes. But like the cat, we as the observer have a couple of possible outcomes. Either the cat dies and we see it dead, or the cat lives and we see it alive. So it's our observation of the experiment that forces nature to collapse to one option or the other. Correct. So the question becomes, who's observing us to force nature to collapse to one reality? Ugh. The question of collapsing to a reality is one of the biggest unanswered questions in quantum physics. The whole purpose of Schrodinger's thought experiment is actually to demonstrate that simple misinterpretations of quantum theory can lead to absurd results which do not match real life. Sure. Clearly, a cat is not alive and dead, so it doesn't match real life. So Schrodinger um, is actually thought to be one of the fathers of quantum physics. He won a Nobel Prize for the Schrodinger equation, which uh, provides a way to calculate the wave function of a system and how it changes dynamically in time. He was your great-great-grandfather. <laughs> All he did was calculate wave functions, and now here you are explaining them every week. Um, so then I tried to read about quantum mechanics, and I kid you not, ever since my left eye has twitched. <laughs> yes, yeah, I remember you saying it. It really has. Uh, every sentence I read was so confusing that I was like, I can't repeat this on the podcast. Like, I can't just read this. It would be like reading, like, Swahili. Like, I okay. just don't understand it at all. 
Okay. So I'm not going into quantum mechanics for any of the purposes that I don't need to. You know what I mean? I was, I was going to be like, I'll just give you a little gist of what quantum mechanics are. I can't. I really cannot. Um, so why is the cat in the bunker? What's the point of this? Is it just like thinking for the sake of thinking and coming up with problems that don't need to be solved? Sure. I thought so. But in fact, it's actually a little more tongue-in-cheek than that. So let me tell you how we got to this place. The expression is cat and bomb, Evan, not (laughs) tongue-in-cheek. Thank you. Uh, So how I got here, and it is plagiarism city from YouTube videos, let me tell you. I do not apologize for it because there's no way I can paraphrase quantum physics in my own words. Um, It would just sound like blah, 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 gobbers. So I didn't. I just took exactly what they said. Um, So quantum theory states that until a particle is measured or observed, it actually exists in all of the states that it could possibly be in simultaneously. See, that's that's such an ambit, like, because now we're, like, I guess this is the relationship where quantum physics and philosophy kind of intertwine, of, like, the the classic, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, did it actually make a sound? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. like it, it make it made a sound, but the fact that no one can prove that it made a sound implies that there is a possible possibility, whether it be incredibly small, that it didn't actually make a sound. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. So it's because no one was there to observe any matter or particle in any shape or form, we have to assume that it could be in any of the ways that it is. Do you know what I mean? Right. That is You're- so ambiguous. And it is. Um, so if there's any chance, the smallest possibility that a particle could be found in a place in one state, a second place in another state, a third place in yet another state, then the particle, particle will be, in fact, existing in all those states at once. Like, this is what the, it's wa- the water to. particle is the perfect example of that because it's something so yeah. practical. You know, it yeah. could be a liquid gas or solid as ice, exactly. vapor, or water. Right. And the fact that if water is not being observed right now, like the water in my pipes, I'm not observing that right now. It could either be solid ice, water, or vapor, for all I know. And there could be, you know, is there a reality where there could be liquid water running through your pipes, but a little bit of it is frozen on the end somewhere, and maybe some of it has evaporated if it's near hotspot or whatever, right? So it's what's referred to as a superposition, like the cat was in when it was either alive or dead in the thought experiment. So see where we're going here. When the particle is measured, which is just basically what you said, the superposition collapses and the particle chooses one state to be in over all the others. Yeah. This is the state that the measuring instrument will observe. So it's basically like you said, until we observe it, we can't define what state it was in. So because you is- can't see me right now, does that make me super sims? Yeah. I mean, I always refer to you as such. Good. Um, so if this is true in theory, then it should apply to larger objects, since all objects are made up of particles. But we know that this doesn't happen for larger objects. We observe large particles as a, occupying a single state. A soccer ball is a solid. It's not a gas. It's not a liquid. It is a solid, and that's all it is. Sure. Schrodinger's example of his cat was actually meant to be a sort of amusing example of how strangely particles behave as described by quantum theory. Sure. Schrodinger's original example had a cat in a covered box with a radioactive sample that has a 50% chance of decaying and killing the cat. It was actually Einstein who later used the example with gunpowder while conversing with Schrodinger. Uh, And when I say use the example, like neither of them killed cats with gunpowder or radioactive material, to my knowledge. Yeah, arguably, yeah. Yeah. Um, So knowing what we know now, let's return to our cat example. Cat's in the box with radioactive material. Once we close the box, the cat could be alive or dead. We don't know until we open the box. So 
think of the cat like a particle. Using the superposition principle of particles appearing in all states, likewise the cat, while in the box was covered, couldn't be observed, and so the cat was both alive and dead, in order for it to be in all states it can possibly be in. Uh-huh. So in the, in the reference of states there, we're not saying liquid, solid, gas. We're saying state as in the cat's alive or dead. Yep. Only when we look in the box or carry out our act of measurement, if we're talking particles, did the cat's superposition collapse to be either dead or alive. Yes. Now, common sense tells us, like you said, tree in the forest thing, the cat is either dead or alive before we open the box. Our opening the box doesn't force nature to kill the cat. It just determines how bad of a day we're going to have explaining to your kids where Mr. Mittens is. (laughs) Sorry, boys, we got mitten soup. (laughs) You just hand the kids the box. You're like, I've got bad news and I've got good news. What's in the box? What's in the box? But he's also alive. But when you open the box, you'll force nature to decide whether or not to kill Mr. Mittens. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a good lesson for your children. There is indeed. But again, common sense tells us that the cat has succumbed to its fate regardless of whether we look in the box. However, common sense is not something that we can cling on to when studying the quantum realm. I love that term, the quantum realm. The quantum realm. It's very Avengers, but also a real thing. Yeah. Um, Countless experiments have shown us that subatomic particles behave in strange ways that we don't observe in larger matter. Sure. Which began to spawn the many worlds theory, or as we know it, the multiverse theory. Yeah. It states that anything that can happen does happen. Every outcome in a situation does occur. So when the cat is put in the box and is now in the superposition of being both dead and alive, there's a split in the universe. At which point, in one world, the cat lives. In the other world, the cat dies. Yes. Uh, But this can be exponential, of course. Every time there is one or more options, the universe splits and creates copies where all possible outcomes are true. Yes. Um, and as I've said before, the first podcast I ever listened to was the Ricky Gervais show. And they try and explain this theory to Carl Pilkington, who's just a literal, like, the definition of idiot. And it's <laughs> the best description I've ever heard of it, because it's just like, so they're talking, Ricky and Steve are trying to explain to Carl the concept of the theory of the multiverse. And they say, Carl, there was a world where you're sitting here doing your podcast with a knob on your head. <laughs> <laughs> there was a world where you're sitting here doing the podcast with a knob in your mouth. There was a world where you're sitting here doing the podcast with a knob in your mouth, but you're speaking French. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just like keep going, and he's just like, uh, but but why? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, anyway, it's a brilliant little clip from the episode. Oh, uh, but of course, it's infinite. So we've heard like the multiverse theory coming up before. For instance, it's one explanation of why, on a subatomic level, they've witnessed matter disappear and reappear. Right. So an atom all of a sudden, or like, you know, a, a, a subatomic particle disappears. And they're like, scientists are looking at it through a microscope, and now it's gone. They don't know where it went. And then it comes back. They're like, maybe it is gone to an, a different dimension yeah. or multiverse. Yeah. Um, also, when we talked about um, episode five, where we discussed tra- time travel in movies, uh, I talked about multiverse. Yes. Uh, any movie where you travel through time and create a new timeline, but the other timelines continue to exist is multiverse. Yes. Uh, Tiffany also discussed it with the Mandela effect. The Berenstein Bears were originally spelt a different way, but something changed in the universe. Yeah. And then we now have it as the annoying way it is now. Shazam Uh was a movie starring Sinbad as a genie, but in our current reality, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, At the end of the day, Schrodinger's point was that it's insane to think the cat is both alive and dead at the same time until you open the box. Even though everyone was like, oh, that's what he's saying. He was actually being ironic about it. Um, but what people were saying about particles in quantum physics was that that is the case. So he wanted to make the point on a larger scale and point out how foolish it was 
um, that they were saying this about particles. Because even though he was a founder of quantum physics, he found it to be so philosophically disturbing, yes. he abandoned the theory that he helped make and turned to writing about biology. <laughs> Man, He's like, how far away can I get from quantum physics? Biology, that is literally all fact. Let's go there. Yep. I was going to say, because um, this, this quickly turns into a philosophical conversation, right? Yeah, and he's like, he was he was a philosophical person, and he was like, I don't like this. I don't like going to the point where if this happens with particles, then it has to happen with things that are made of particles. It's like, no, the cat is not alive and dead. Yeah. However, according to modern day, the idea of a superposition, superposition must exist and does exist, or we couldn't be on computers and phones and iPads right now during this call. It's all due to a dual nature of particles and wave behaviors. And to talk about wave behaviors, we're going to turn to our resident expert on waves, Jeff Sims, everybody. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me. So <laughs> I was going to say every time it comes up. I was going to say you you brought up waves. I was like, you have my attention. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so in order for an object to have a wavelength, it must extend over some region of space which means it occupies many positions at the same time. Mm -hmm. The wavelength of an object limited to a small region of space can't be perfectly defined. So it exists in many different wavelengths at the same time. We don't see the wave properties for everyday objects because the wavelength decreases as the momentum increases. It's just too small to detect. Yep. But a tiny particle like an electron can show evidence of its dual nature. So, and this fascinated me, and this is what I was talking to Mildred about and was, like, trying to explain to her, and she was like, I don't want to think about that. If we shoot electrons one at a time at a set of two narrow slits cut in a barrier, so let's, so you've got two walls, okay? The back wall is just a wall. The wall in front of that has two slits in it, okay? You're shooting electrons through the, through the slits, and they're hitting the back wall and sticking to the back wall. With me so far? Yep. Okay. So if we shoot electrons one at a time through those two slits, each electron on the far side is detected at a single place at a specific instance like a particle. Mm -hmm. It'll stick to that back wall. If you do this enough times, you'll see the electrons build up on the far side of the barrier in certain places, characteristic of wave behavior. It'll be higher and then lower and then higher and then lower, spots with lots of electrons separated by sections with no electrons at all because of where the slits are. Sure. If you block one of the slits in the barrier, and the pattern the pattern goes away. Um, by doing this, scientists have proved that the wavelength that occurs is a result of each electron going through both slits at the same time. A single electron isn't choosing to go through the left or right slit, but it's going through the left and right slit simultaneously. One electron. Yes. They have proven that. Okay. Which paves the way for modern technology. An hmm. electron near the nucleus of an atom exists in a spread out wave-like orbit. Bring two atoms together, and the electrons don't need to choose one atom. They're shared between two atoms, orbiting like a figure eight around both. Interesting. Like an open this marriage. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> Polygamy at its finest. Yeah. Um, so this is how some chemical bonds form. An electron in a molecule isn't on just atom A or atom B, because molecule is when atoms come together, in case we forgot from chemistry. Yes. Um, it isn't just on atom A or B, but A and B. As you add more atoms, the electrons spread out more and are shared between vast numbers of atoms at the same time. 
the elections, they're just like, you know, they'll go to their friend's house and then they'll go to their grandmother's house and then they'll go to their aunt's house. It doesn't matter where they, where they sleep over as long as they come <laughs> home eventually. Um, the electrons in a solid aren't bound to a particular atom either, but shared among all of them, extending over a large range of space. So in a soccer ball, the electrons in each atom of the soccer ball don't stay on that atom. They move around. Okay. So this gigantic superposition of states determines the way that electrons move through material. Understanding how electrons are shared among atoms allows us to precisely control the properties of semiconductor materials like silicon. Combining different semiconductors in the right way allows us to make transistors on a tiny scale, millions on a single computer chip. Those chips and their spread out electrons power anything that has a computer chip in it, your phone, your iPad, your computer, whatever. Um, there's a saying that says the internet exists primarily to show cat videos. But in fact, it may be thanks to an imaginary cat that we even have the internet at all. Booyah! That's my punchline for the end of my topic. I love it. And that not that interesting? So it's like he came up with this whole concept and like made this analogy about the cat to be like, yeah, it's stupid though. And then everybody's <laughs> like, no, well actually... It's all true. We've proven Actually, that's going to be the founding principle for the entire society carrying forward. And it is. And he's like, no, I, I got to go study a leaf now. Yeah, I got to go. I got to go look at grass. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, the cards that were in your room are oh, yes. the Queen of Hearts, the Two of Clubs, the Eight of Diamonds, and... Oh, no, sorry. Two of Spades is on the window. Eight of Diamonds, Two of Clubs is in the closet. Well done, Evan! I wonder how long I'll go remembering that. Well, so there was something else that I meant to bring up, but I decided not to, which was the threshold for remembering things. Mm-hmm. Like, and like similar to the learning curve of how long it takes you to learn something, there's also a reversal of that of how long it takes you to forget something. Right. And um, it shows you how to study smart instead of like, like, I got to go study seven hours a day or seven hours before the exam or instead of just cramming information, it's how can you trick your mind into remembering certain things better? Right. Yeah. So there's different tools uh, that they say, but one thing is fonts and like italicizing things. Oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. That if there's something that you want to remember, you should always change the font or change the color of the font and your brain will adapt and add a different layer to the memory instead there's, of you there's just... another thing too about um related to that about having different colored paper or something yep yep yeah because your your mind will be like oh what was on that red font oh that yeah. was schrodinger's cat like you know what i mean yeah. like you'll remember yeah. it based on the color um so there's stuff like that but it's also the the threshold of how quickly you can remember things so like we talked about it for what six minutes seven eight minutes and then a couple minutes after that you recalled it you recalled it a second time and a third time then arguably half an hour later you recall it again if you don't recall it now for another three or four days you will probably forget it but if you bring it up again before you go to bed and again one more time in the morning like there is that threshold I mean, that you maybe break. ask me next week because i'll be curious because like I'm just curious how well this mind palace thing works because like the last time i was in your bedroom was when i set up your bedroom for your proposal yeah. So, like, you know, it's not a place I am very often. No, but you can, uh, like, the, the the four things that I set up for you, they're very easy to remember. Oh, no, I know. So, my point being, like, so I don't associate your bedroom with much. So, like, I feel like I can easily keep that in there. 
Yes. Without yeah, yeah, yeah. recalling. I want to see how much I can do it without recalling it. I'm curious. Interesting. We'll see. And we will. Um, so yeah, that was a great little uh great little thing, Schrodinger's cat. I when you first brought it up, I was afraid it was gonna be something similar to like Pavlov's dog or those monkeys and like all these like social um psychology experiments that we were doing on animals to try to figure right. out these things. I oh. love that actually and to be honest with you i'm gonna go look into it a lot more um because i think it's fantastic it is really interesting i gotta say yeah well done and 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 it delves into that you know the whole multiverse thing you can go on about forever Mm -hmm. um but just that and and the thing that just slayed me was the whole electrons they've proved that electrons go through both slits at the same time yeah you don't pick one both one electron goes through both slits that's crazy so it is in a superposition you know what i mean it's wild. Yep. Um, which actually kind of branches into like two different topics that I kind of wanted to talk about anyways. One of like, there's a lot of like, there's one that I really want. I would love to get into a discussion with you about like two or three different philosophical topics like that. Mm. Like I have a book that I've been reading a little bit on, like a book on Heraclitus and like Plato and stuff like that. Like they have like these philosophical you should watch the good place i haven't brought it up in too long but the entire good place is about ethics and i'm talking about different philosophies ethics is very different than philosophy it is not the entire show is about different philosophers talking about ethics yes but ethics are good and good and wrong or like good and bad and ways to live your life and philosophies of how to live your life and certain philosophies i'm not talking about philosophies how to live your life i'm talking about philosophies of the universe philosophies of like, anyways, we I think we should do a full topic on it. I think there's something there, and we can have very. It could good be almost like a non-research topic. It'd just be like you throw out t- like topic points, and then we just chat about. It. Like you give us like give us a philosopher's opinion on something, and then we just discuss that. Yeah, I'm totally into that. Yeah, me too. Uh, I it's and it's a really easy list. research week too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Lazy Evan. Um, there's that one, and also like we should do an episode on the multiverse because although there's I don't think like, there's much to do by. Other than be like, by there's infinite amount of possibilities. Which I've already talked about twice. <laughs> yeah, fact, I suppose. I still don't understand this. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I mean, it's it's sort of bull. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like, it's possible. But like, it's a bit of bullshit. Like, when, like, you know, it, it's saying that tonight when we recorded the podcast there is a world where we didn't record the podcast there's a world where we recorded it tomorrow night there's a world where we did record it but you and i switched topics there's a world where we recorded it and we both got plastered and then posted it and then everyone in the world stopped listening to us there's a world where we you mean this one (laughs) (laughs) there's a world where we record it and it goes viral there's a world where we record it but we're speaking in russian yeah okay i get get it Yeah, yeah you know like it's not it's nothing it's not a thing okay all right well if that's what you think that's what I think. Anyway. Okay. Well, anyways, that's that's where we leave it. So, uh, if you have specific things about the multiverse, um, let us know because apparently Evan's a a non multiverse believer. Evan thinks the universe is flat, <laughs> and he's an anti vaxxer as well. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't wear masks in public places. And... Did you see the thing about the? They're gonna do a. Some people are gonna do a um, anti-mask demonstration at the um, Confederation building. Oh, they're gonna do John's. it at Coleman's. But oh, is it Coleman's? But they're gonna be dressed as mummers. Ugh. So their mouths are covered anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, you go on and do that. 
Yeah, exactly. Idiot. Um, yeah, so this has been a really fun episode. I learned lots, actually, because... I actually had zero idea what Schrodinger's cat is, so I'm very happy about that. So thank you. Um, I think it was great. So as always, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, share stories, share all sorts of stuff. Comment, like. Uh, we're trying to get out there. We want people to to listen, and we want people to learn things. We really, really do. Where education is key here at Splainham. If you would like to rate and review, you just go to Apple Podcasts. And you just write a little review, and you just click that five star button. I'd, I would take four stars at this point, to be honest. You can click I would that just if you take want. anything, even if it's a one star. I would take the constructive criticism. Right. You, you to, like to the try engagement? To get better. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I just want people because I, I, and I, we keep saying it, but that's um, how people outside of our social media, through the podcast application, where they'll get to hear us. So we would appreciate it if you could do that, so that other people really around the world can hear us. Just so much. Yep. Um, we hope. Oh God! I almost just jumped right to the end. If you have a topic that you would like us to explain to you, we actually just got a couple in the last couple of days, Evan. So I can't wait for us to discuss those. Um, they, I didn't uh, even ple- see them. Sometimes you read an email and you don't flag it, and therefore I don't realize it exists. Yeah, you're a poor email companion. I'm sorry. I'll be better. Thank you. That's all I okay. ask. So please email us at info.splainin at gmail.com. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't, there's always next week. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't. The shit! Evan! Oh my god, why do I think there's a cadence point there? Oh, sorry, do it again. There's definitely a cadence, but it's in your own thing. No, I know, I know. It's it's my it's my recall memory. Oh, god damn it.